Welcome to the Borks Podcast, the podcast by Geeks for Geeks. I'm your host, David Eagle, and I have with me my co-hosts, Jay. Hello. And Rev. What's up? The first subject we have on the docket for this podcast is Star Wars Old Republic. And when I mentioned to Rev that we were going to be talking about Star Wars Old Republic, he hit me with a barrage of questions about all kinds of things. What my qualifications were to talk about the publisher, <laughs> if I had any experience with the game, if I had watched all the videos and knew all the uh, all the Star Wars facts. But, and, but most importantly, did you actually like the you know episodes one through three of the movies? Right. <laughs> I told him that you know I played Knights of the Old Republic two, which I think qualifies me to talk about it. What we're going to do is we're going to kick it over to him. He's going to talk about Star Wars: The Old Republic, and I have some questions to kind of lead off. The first question is more about MMOs. What you may or may not know is that Star Wars The Old Republic is an MMO. It's being made by BioWare, the same company who made Knights of the Old Republic. So what I want to do is, is I guess, first ask Rev, what's your history with MMOs? How long have you been playing MMOs? What was your first one? Give us the background. I've been playing, seriously playing MMOs probably for six years, so that would bring us back to 2003, and I know a lot of people are much more old school. I dabbled. I would say, in Ultima Online, which brings me way back, but really I think MMOs haven't really shaped up since maybe 2002 and on, and basically that's it. I mean, played most of the big players out there, but I mean, a game like this is is so interesting that uh, I was kind of giving you the runaround, but a game like this is completely different from, well, not completely different, but different enough in a way that it's it's something to talk about. I mean, MMOs come out all the time, like uh, Warhammer or Lord of the Rings Online that have these big content bases behind them. But the thing that's different about Star Wars Old Republic is you have this game that has already has this lineage set up by Bioware where there's a pedigree there that's coming, and it was single-player, great single-player storytelling, and then they handed it off to Obsidian, I believe, and they did another great single-player storytelling, and then they're going to make that single-player storytelling an MMO, which just begs like all of this speculation, and that's the reason why we're talking about it tonight. So that's an interesting distinction that you make. I remember Ultima Online, which is kind of where I got my start, and it definitely was not about single-player, and it definitely, you know, it didn't focus on storytelling at all, really. There weren't any quests in the game. You You were kind of just thrown into this world, and you had to do it on your own, and there has been, it seems like, an evolution in the last few years towards more of a storytelling model, especially with World of Warcraft and with Lord of the Rings Online. But before we get ahead of ourselves here, Jay, what's your experience with MMOs in general? First MMO I ever played, and I know I lose nerd cred here, but I'm not afraid to say it, was Star Wars Galaxies. And, uh, yep, whoop. and I remember uh, Rev just coming over and being like, dude, Star Wars game, online, lots of people... You can do anything. I'm like, what do you mean anything? And he's like, oh, well, we're going to you know, make our own weapons manufacturing company, and we're going to make guns and sell them to people, and it's going to be rad. I'm like, wait, you can make guns? And he's like, yeah. And so that was kind of how I got sucked into the concept of an MMO, which is crafting, which has kind of been one of my interests in MMOs to this day. I kind of still like them. And so we have played uh, Star Wars Galaxies. It was fun in beta. It was really good. Really loved it in beta. I remember setting up my harvesters and going on vacation and coming back and getting all my resources out. It was great. And uh, and then, you know, just played that until it was suck. And then kind of played, what did I play after that? Oh, City of Heroes. Yeah, and that was fun. And then EverQuest 2 for like a week until Rev, like, emo down. He's like, oh, I hate EverQuest 2. I got this new game. Wow. And I'm like, oh, I played that in beta. It sucked. He's like, no, it's good now. And then I played that. And I've played that ever since. It's pretty much the best MMO I've played. Don't forget, you were the only one of us to actually do the um, space expansion for Star Wars. Yeah, I deny that to this day. I never actually bought that or played it. (laughs) (laughs) And it wasn't good, but I don't know that because I never played it. Right, well, uh, (laughs) I started on Ultima Online, and I played that for... You failed school. Yeah, I was OG. I played that pretty seriously for a while, and, you know, my guild had a castle, and uh, that was awesome. But I never had the dedication to get really good at any skill. So it was all skill-based in that game. You had to level up your skills, and at a certain point it got more and more difficult. Kind of like trade skills in WoW, which maybe is why I'm so bad at trade skills, you know, and, and that explains terrible. why I was bad Not at bad, Ultima Online. Terrible. Yeah, I just don't, I can't do them. Anyway, so I went from that to, uh, from that to EverQuest, which was great. 
And then uh, from EverQuest, probably to... No, I don't know if there was anything in the middle, but definitely dabbled. Morrowind. <laughs> yes. The best single-player MMO I've ever played in my life. Uh, dabbled in Star Wars, dabbled in City of Heroes, and then didn't didn't seriously play anything until uh, WoW. I've been playing that for about four years now, and have, have tried other games that have come out in the interim, like um, I, Dark Age of Camelot actually came out before WoW, I believe, and I tried that, but didn't enjoy it. That's Age kind of, of my Conan. history. Age of Conan was not great at no, all. I, I got suckered into buying that. That was the worst spent $50 plus $15 I've spent in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Bad. That's awesome. So, that's kind of where we're coming from. Uh, from the MMO front, uh, it seems like we've got a pretty pretty good base, I think, to talk about MMOs in general. I want to talk a little bit more about the uh, the last Star Wars MMO. Specifically, what do you guys think Bioware can learn from Galaxies? Don't well, let SOE run it. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. I think the biggest thing is they went from a game that was kind of like the Grand Theft Auto of Star Wars. I'm talking about SOE and... Uh, what they did with the IP, where, like John was saying, you started out, you could make anything. You could go and make your factories and harvest your stuff, or you could go uh, try to be uh, a dancer in a cantina. A dancer in a cantina, all the way to going to Endor and trying to kill the big badass Rancors. Whatever. Rancors. Witch Sisters, yeah. Oh, yeah, the Witch Sisters. So, um, Which was an 80s band, incidentally. <laughs> so it was the GTA, the Grand Theft Auto of Star Wars, and then they realized that, I don't, I don't know, people kind of were having fun, and but there were some serious issues where they realized, oh, wait, we made this, for example, we made this dancer class. They stand in a cantina for 12 <laughs> hours a day and do nothing. And, like, it's there was supposed to be, like, the social experience. You're supposed to bring them places. It never really worked. And so I think I, I want to say that that right there, like, the people not having fun, like, the, the 10% <laughs> or the 1% of people that decided they wanted to be dancers were not having fun. And that was the crux that just, like, changed the whole game. And basically they tried to become an EverQuest slash WoW. Uh, World of Warcraft. Well, I mean, it wasn't even that so much as they did one of the cardinal sins, I think, of any game is going, quote-unquote, balance crazy, which was, like, I mean, you had this point where, oh, what were the the commandos? The shifting point for me was when they made the commandos, when they nerfed everything they had, because they used to be, like, all flamethrower pro and do all this crazy damage, and, like, wait... You can't let the class that's only about damage do so much damage, um, and I think that's one of the great cautions. You know, speaking about cautions for the older public, because that's what we're talking about. This we're not here to rehash our Star Wars Galaxies memories. Uh, is that the, one of the things they need to be really careful about is how in depth they want to go into balance, balancing over overbalancing classes and removing abilities that make classes unique. Yeah, you're totally right. Which kind of, I mean, my personal story, as much as we don't want to talk about this, is kind of an important point where releasing information about a class about like be it badass stuff that's going to happen with a class such as the bounty hunter and the Jedi sort of transfiction of where the bounty hunter's 90% purpose in the Star Wars Galaxies universe was to go out and kill the Jedi's yeah. which were the top tier 0.01% of everybody and it was like their calling it never really happened no, until <laughs> two years into the game, and when they did release it, it was totally nerfed upon belief, and there was so much griefing, they just killed it. And so I think I think that it brings two lessons. One, uh, lofty goals, and two, telling the community too much, which so far I think uh, Star Wars Old Republic, which I will never call it swore. Please, can we never call it swore? Uh, Are people calling it swore? I don't know. I just, I looked at the title right now, and I'm like, no, 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 no. They're I... calling it Tor. They're calling it Tor. Oh, oh, I, Tor. I heard the guy in the interview. He called it Tor, which is fine. Okay, that's fine. Although it's also <laughs> science fiction books, which we may talk about it one day. Anyways, <laughs> they haven't really told much, and they've been really uh, they're very blizzardy in terms of releasing information. They've released information about I think three classes: bounty hunter, Jedi, and trooper. I want to say it is trooper. So. It's trooper. It kind of pales in comparison to Jedi. Yeah, I want to be the one of a million nameless, you know, number guys with a number and a serial code to be slaughtered by a Jedi. That's the class I want to pick. Yep. 
Yeah, well, I think the the problem with that, and we'll get more into that, but the problem with what they've done is they've said we have a certain number of classes. It looks like it's going to be four classes on this one faction and a certain number of classes on this other faction. And as far as I can tell, the way they've released the class information, you can either be essentially a bounty hunter or you can be a trooper. Wonderful. Why would you do? You know, why would you do that? <laughs> Where's, yeah, I want to be Boba Fett or TK four two one. TK four two one, exactly. Right there. Like, why wasn't he at his post? Nobody knows because he died and he couldn't tell them. <laughs> he was killed by the really cool bounty hunter. And, right. uh, exactly. So, which one do you want to play? <laughs> Tossing it back over to Rev, you talked a little bit about Bioware's legacy and how they have kind of a, a history with this game. What what kind of highlights do you want to bring up from a, either from a Bioware standpoint as a development studio or from their experience with the Star Wars franchise? And what can we expect, kind of because of their history? What do, what do we have to look forward to in uh, Old Republic? Well, I think one of the big things that actually is kind of a major talking point is the fact that Bioware is a, is an I don't know how to say this other than an epic storyteller. I mean, they've got games in there. I mean, they only have like 15 really well-known games. Specifically, more recently, Mass Effect. They've got Neverwinter Nights and expansion Neverwinter Nights one expansion Star Wars, Nice uh, Republic one. Baldur's Gate, one of the epic RPGs of the 90s, and that's kind of what Star Wars Galaxy tries tried to get into in terms of making the player f- feel like they were epic towards the end. And no one seemed to catch on, but looking at the videos and listening to the developer commentary, they really want to make the player feel like they're part of some something, which is what the latest World of Warcraft Wrath of the Lich King has been doing, which I feel (laughs) has been excellent. Every zone has this epic storyline where you're part of something bigger, whether it be the main sort of... The Wrathgate. The Wrathgate in uh, Dragonblight, or uh, meeting the Lich King a good four times, four or five times. In Ice Crown, yeah. In Ice Crown... And him actually talking, speaking to you as the player. And so that kind of thing, where you are a, an epic piece of the storyline, is Bioware's like bread and butter. I don't know I, if either of you have played Mass Effect, but I would say the storytelling in that game was excellent. Like It was one of the best storylines I've been a part of in a game in the last few years. And that kind of makes me feel happy, like excited <laughs> about Old Republic, but also a little bit scared in that this is an MMO. I expect certain things from an MMO, and that is being social with other people. Yeah. And I worry about the entire thing being a storytelling without storytelling with my friends or doing epic things with my friends. No, so, I, I totally see you. No, no, I, I agree. That's one of the things, and honestly, I have to kind of admit that I'm a bit standoffish about this whole entire game coming out because the the little trailer I watched was a bunch of their developers talking about things as if no one had ever dreamed of them, like the whole, we're, we're making story a major part of an MMO for the first time, and it's like, maybe you should play Wrath of the Lich King instead of talking about Vanilla WoW, because it's worlds of difference, and not to over-harp on WoW, but it is the standard now, so basically everything we talk about in terms of MMOs will be in relation to that, but I mean... It, they they talked about story in that little snippet as if no one had ever made anything important happen in an MMO before, and that's just not true, especially with the phased content as buggy and bullshitty as it is uh, in my personal experience. Then, you know, I mean, that does give characters or players an opportunity to engage in the storyline as individual characters in the overall arc of the story. And the other thing they said is this quote-unquote stylized realism, which I just thought was the biggest like BS thing ever when they're talking about the uh, the graphic design of the story. It's like we we don't want to make things look real like human people because everyone's doing that. We're gonna make it look. They use stylized realism as their term. And I'm like, you guys weren't the first ones to think about not going the full photo realism look for your characters. I mean, <laughs> I mean even as recently as um, oh, what was that game with the? It's Middle Eastern setting and the. The guy jumps around, he dodges and throws all the crap is for the 360 and the PC. Come on, help me Assassin's out. Assassin's Creed. No, 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 no. The one that's very similar in subject matter. 
<laughs> Come on. Penny Arcade did the drawing for it. The whole entire intro sequence kind of deal. They did on the webpage. Prince of Persia. The new Prince of Persia. Yes. Oh, yes. There you they, go. They didn't try and make it more realistic. They tried to make it better looking. And so it, it didn't look real necessarily at all. And I'm like, both, so both the things that they were touting in their whole, you know, the old Republic MMO were things that already existed in other games. Uh, so that kind of gave me a bad taste in my mouth, and I was uh, whatever about it. And that plus the, the taint of what happened to Star Wars Galaxies. I'm a little bit down on the, the tour, as you're going to find out. So. All right. Well, I, I want to talk a little bit about um, the cinematic trailer. I'm sure you guys saw the cinematic trailer. Yeah, which was epic. Which was epic, but, you know, it is a cinematic trailer. Better than yeah. the first, the, the new episodes, all, all three of them. Other than maybe the part where uh, Anakin gets killed. So you're saying, <laughs> I just want to make sure I'm clear, you're saying that this three-minute trailer was better than all three of the newest Star Wars movies to come out? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't disagree with that. Maybe I saw something different, but I, I don't know what you're talking about, really. I watched... I watched the one from E3, but it wasn't like all epicy. It was just guys talking. Then you didn't. No, there, there's a there's a cinematic trailer where um, a bunch of Jedi's and bounty hunters and soldiers fight. Right. Cinematic tr trailer dot google dot com. So I, I want to. Uh, what I want to do is recklessly recklessly draw conclusions from the cinematic trailer. I was watching the trailer and I saw some things, and maybe I imagined them. One of the things that I saw was, you know, clearly there is a bounty hunter class. We saw that. That was very apparent. We saw the girl with the jetpacks fly up into the air and whatever. One of the thoughts that occurred to me was it seems like if they have Jedi, which they've said they're going to do, uh, mm-hmm. if, the, if that makes it into the game, what they, will, what they will probably do is try to equalize the other classes by giving them abilities either based on tech or based on training or whatever that takes them – Maybe up to par with Jedi. What do you guys think about that? Does that seem like well, if you Bullshit. if you read a lot of the comics, honestly, if you read a lot of the comics and you read the books and the Star Wars expanded canon that doesn't include Skywalker's or Obi Wan Kenobi or Yoda, then you see Jedi that are kind of mediocre and they kind of die often, and there's a lot of crappy little Jedi that run around. And they just die, and they're not that important. You, you saw in, I mean, Star Wars Episode Three, you saw hundreds die to Anakin. Obviously, Anakin is this BA Jedi that can basically do anything, which is sort of what the first three movies are about. But I don't think it's necessarily bad that Bioware relies on their players just being those mediocre Jedi that aren't just so epic like Anakin or, or Yoda or Obi-Wan. I think that it's it's completely understandable. Right, okay. So so there's going to be some... It, it seems like there's going to be some balancing there. And that I think that's interesting. That that definitely puts a twist on the game. You know, you can, you can play a Jedi, but you're not going to be the most powerful being in the universe by any means, which is kind of the mindset that we have about Jedi, probably based on... We're looking at these movies that are based on the, the superheroes of the, of the Jedi Order. So that definitely makes sense. And then the next conclusion that I kind of drew, again, it's a cinematic trailer, and I'm digging really deep for this, but what I saw looking at the Jedi's fighting was there was the subset of Jedi that were predominantly using their lightsabers and jumping around and doing crazy athletic stuff. And then there was this other group of Jedi that were throwing, you know, the lightning bolts, and they were throwing other Jedi into into columns and pillars and stuff like that. Do you think that there will be that kind of division in skill where we've got almost a magic user type of class and a no. more of a melee? No, if if there is, it'll be a, like similar to the way WoW has implemented talents. That's my opinion. I think it's going to be more like talents. You can spec deeper into saber training or deeper into uh, force abilities. But that's pretty much standard for all uh, Star Wars games at this point, isn't it, where you can play a Jedi? I think so. Um, what was it? Jedi Outcast. What was that part of... There was three games where you could basically spec. He was a shooter. You could spec into these trees and uh, also choose light and dark side. And basically, you could be really good at the lightsaber. Or you could be really good at your force powers and jumping around, doing lightning. And so I think that that they may introduce actual like when you start a character, you can build a force user that is this kind. Because like I don't think either of you have played the um, pen and paper uh, D20 Star Wars 
role-playing game. But Actually, basically, all of us have played it together. If you oh, right. <laughs> I don't know if any of you looked at the Jedi class specifically, but you chose, you actually chose three different subsets, and one of them being more of a knight character. The archetype was Luke Skywalker, where he was all saber. All saber. I mean, if you look at the movies, Luke is all saber, but the movies are kind of all saber in the first place. That's true. But um, there's also uh, two other classes that are much more like Emperor Palpatine, where he you never even saw him touch a saber, but you saw him use his lightning and uh, his manipulation techniques. And his evil cackle, level 5 <laughs> evil cackle. Level 5 evil cackle. I hope that makes it into the game, personally. I really hope it does. <laughs> Reduce his stamina by 50%. <laughs> so it could. it's very possible that there could be different classes of Jedi when you start, but it's also very possible, like Jay said, that you can you talent into these areas. It all depends on what Bioware uses for their class mechanic. And looking at their history, they've used a few different class mechanics, so it's hard to pin down exactly what they're going to do. All right. Well, I think what, what we can expect for sure is, you know, a solid offering. Worst case scenario, we can play the multiplayer, do the main quest line, and then just uninstall it when we're done with that and treat it like, you know, Knights of the Old Republic 3. Yeah, no, I mean, if it is a Knights of the Old Republic 3, then it was worth it, in my opinion. Whether it'll pull me away from WoW, I sincerely doubt that, but that is just me talking out of having seen the trailer, which I just finished watching, the cinematic trailer, very impressive, but also, I I just don't buy the bounty hunter, like, raping 50 Jedi in a single rocket shot. I'm sorry, don't do it. Well, those are, the, they're advanced Jedi raping rockets, so what can oh, I say? Sure. Yeah. They're, they're JRRs. <laughs> JRRs. All right. Well, unless anyone has any closing comments on Star Wars Old Republic, we'll wait until the next cinematic trailer comes out, and then we'll... No, that's good. I don't want to... I want to, I want to insert one little little geek-gasm in there. I just really hope, because they have Bounty Hunter class, and in the trailer that it's obvious they're in Mon Cal armor, I really hope that there is a push for a Mon Calamari... Storyline kind of... Storyline... All of that. I, I want to see it because in the books it's, it's just – it's one of those things that a lot of, I think, Star Wars fans love Agreed. and get very little of because there are none. But in the old times, there are tons. So anyways, that's agreed. that. Agreed, agreed. In the oldie timeies. All right. Very cool. Well, we're going to stop talking about games for a minute, and then we'll get back to them. Our next topic is iPhones, and we're going to buck probably the podcasting trend for this week. And we're not going to talk about the new iPhone 3GS, which is the stupidest name ever. Yeah, um, should have thought of something better. Yeah, that's ridiculous. We'll just add more letters to the end. <laughs> what we are going to talk about, though, is what I thought was a cool question, and this was your question, Jay. It's, what do you wish your iPhone could do? One of the rules of this question is that it has to be things that aren't currently covered by applications that are out there. So it has to be something that your iPhone really can't do. Take it away. My first one was, uh, and I actually just kind of got to slap myself in the face today because I saw one app actually do this, so maybe my iPhone can, but the app developers can't, is I wish that the iPhone would let apps update their icon with a numeric value, i.e. when I get a new message on Twitter, I'd love for my little Twitter phone icon to be like five, you know, have a little five there and be like, oh, time to push my Twitter phone icon, see who's updated their Twitter status. I'd, I'd kind of like it if they would let apps work in the background a little bit, or to the degree that they're limited by the user's preferences. So, for example, I would love to, you know, flip on my iPhone and see 20 next to my Twitter phone icon. I'd be like, oh, 20 people have tweeted, you know, two next to my Facebook icon. Okay, 20, you know, two people have done things on their Facebook, and then, you know, next to my SMS, and then my email. That's Actually, my number one thing. Rev, do you want to respond to that, or should I? Uh, yeah, it's actually a two-part I almost at first I was going to say oh Friday oh Friday but no it's not completely Friday because what Jay specifically says is that he he wants to turn on his iPhone and he wants to see that his Twitter phone app has 20 new items what Apple is releasing is push notification and that means that there has to be a, a server run by a third party that says, oh, there is this new item for Jay. I'm going to tell Apple that there's this new item, that Apple's going to tell AT&T that there's this new item, and then AT&T is going to tell Jay. Well, I don't think there's any, unless Twitter does it officially, I don't think that is going to happen. Because for that to happen, Jay's device needs to be able to say, hey, 
uh, Twitter is their new stuff, but we can't run apps in the background. All that we can do is we can have a server run by some guy tell the chain all the way up to Jay's phone that there's something new. So I don't think that is a possibility. What is going to be possible on Friday is uh, things like the AOL Instant Messaging application or other chat G-talk. applications, the Gtalk, that will be able to tell you when you get a new IM. But their servers have to support this active push notification, which is what the whole BlackBerry thing is about. They sell you a server. That server then sits in your forward-facing data center, and that then tells all the phones that are out there that there's new email. They're all subscribed to the server. And so there's many things, specifically what you said, Jay, that are not going to be available via this new update or any other recent updates. If there's anything like that, it's going to be in the future unless applications take the steps which means infrastructure, take yeah. the infrastructure steps to provide this kind of service, which it's going to be far and in between. I could see Twitter doing it maybe in the next six, six months via their API somehow. A subscribe to service or something like that, like 15 bucks a year to be part of their push That or, or the uh, applications themselves have to be, I don't know. I mean, there's many different types, but you're using you're – using Joe Schmo's out there. Joe Schmo doesn't – he doesn't work for Twitter. He doesn't get money to or right. from Twitter. And so for him to be able to provide notifications to your iPhone like that, it's kind of kind of a big issue. Yeah, I can see that. Right. Should, I, should I go with my number two then? Are we, yeah. we going to go in numeric? Okay, number two is I wish that my iPhone would ship with directions on how to use the iPod functionality of the, the little earbud, uh, you know – button thinger, you know, just skip through your songs. You know what I'm talking about? The little the little nodule on your yeah. headphones. Okay, I, I have no idea how to use that <laughs> thing. I'm sitting there, I'm driving home, and it rubs against my coat, and my podcast restarts from the beginning, and all I want to do is tear the thing out of my ears and, <laughs> you know, just listen to it through the speakers. Um, and, you know, I, I went home, I looked at my documentation, there's nothing in there. And then I went to the shop, the, the iPhone store, I'm like, hey guys, my iPhone was doing ridiculous things while I was driving home. And like, oh, you know that thing's a controller, right? And I said, no. <laughs> It's kind of ridiculous that Apple is notorious for including all these features that no one really knows about unless either they find it or they have to have someone tell them or they have to find a book or they have to dig in the online frequently asked questions. And it's it's kind of funny because that's kind of almost the culture of Mac, as people call it, where they love that kind of thing where it's the hidden features. Oh, I, I get to find the hidden features of my iPhone. Well, for the regular people, it's crap because we don't know what's happening and we're missing out on all these cool features because <laughs> yeah. no one told us. That's funny. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that a little bit more because I have an iPhone. I guess it's called an iPhone 1, which my wife has, and I have the iPhone 3G right here. I'm actually I'm holding it up to my monitor so you guys can see it, even though we're not doing video. I have the iPhone 3G, <laughs> and I, I have even gone out because of dogs and you know washing machines and stuff, I've even gone out to the Apple Store and bought another set of those headphones. So I have at least 30 sets of those Apple headphones things. And I, all I know about that thing is, one, that it's a microphone, and two, that if you wear a collared shirt of any kind, it gets caught in the collar and you can't move your head and you yep. end up doing some kind of idiot dance. But I didn't know that it did any kind of controlling. So is that only on a certain version of the phone? Am I just an idiot? Tell me about it. There are three G. There are multiple buttons on. It's actually on all the phones, oh. and they can pause, uh, go to the next track, go previous track, and that's about it. Pause, play, and then go back and forth on the tracks. Are they invisible buttons? Yes. So do I just squeeze it and see what happens? Yes. Pretty much. Wow, yep. that's tremendous. So, if yeah, any, if, if there is an Apple geek listening right now, they're just laughing horrendously at all. Yeah, of us. please just send, just on my Twitter, send me a DM. We'll give you our Twitter info afterwards. Send me a DM about how to use this freaking thing because I'm losing my mind. That's just the way it is. Yeah, as you can tell, we we have no idea what we're doing here. So, yep. did you did you have a third one, Jay? Or well, number three, yeah, I would love to have a caps lock functionality because when I'm feeling very strongly about something, I have to push. Shift and then the letter, then shift and then the letter, and then shift and the, you know if it's a long word, I have to do it for like an hour. That's a lot of button pushing. I'd love a caps lock. Uh, <laughs> by the time you're done, you're not even mad anymore. No, you know? it's true. I've lost my steam. 
So. There is a caps lock, but it, it, it's filed under uh, the answer to your question, too. Oh, okay. So Friday. Friday? Okay. All right. No, All no, right. no, no. Question two, as in it's one of those oh, special directions. features. Oh, God. That there's no directions for. I don't know All if right. I want to know. Uh, yeah, I'm going to just stay angry. And the final thing, really quick, I want uh, my iPhone to remind me when I'm leaving the house without my belt because it ruins the rest of my day. And certainly a piece of technology like this should know when I don't have my belt with me. That's all. Agreed. Well, actually, you know, I'm going to go off of my list a little bit here. And one of my items is really connected to what you just talked about. <laughs> Why doesn't my iPhone work with RFID? That's the first question that I have. And what I mean is it would be really easy to put an RFID transmitter in the phone, it would also be really easy to allow the phone to activate RFID transmitters so that it could read them. And I could think of, if you're like me and your job uses RFID heavily, you have an RFID reader connected to your computer, you have one for your office doors, you have one for your garage, you've got them all over the place. I could think of about a thousand things I could do if my iPhone could both read and transmit RFID. So that was my first one. I know that's not in any any firmware. You know, I think if your belt had RFID and your phone had RFID and your front door had RFID, (laughs) you could work that out. You could write a little code. Um, I would program it to to call me, and I would pick it up, and it would be my voice saying, hey, idiot, go get your belt. That's all I would do. And that transitions nicely into into my second item, which is as a professional Windows administrator and someone who tinkers with with Linux and stuff, I'm really used to being able to script my computer. I'm used to being able to write out either a Windows command script that I'll execute whenever I want or a bash script or something in Python or whatever I need. Why can't I script my iPhone? Why do I need to buy a developer's license to be able to write little scripts like that? It's kind of frustrating how closed off everything is. It would be kind of cool if it had cron, if I could schedule some jobs and do stuff. Yeah. I would be fine with my work email only checking during the hours that I'm not at work. I don't need it to vibrate when I get a new email in my exchange box while I'm sitting at my desk. That the sick thing. thing is, is that all of that is there. This is literally, I don't know if everyone realizes, this is literally a Linux device. It is yeah. Linux at its core. When, when Jobs came out two years ago and said, we have OS X on the iPhone, he wasn't lying. The same operating system, the same core operating system that is on your laptop is on the iPhone, and that means that it's BSD. Uh, if no one knows, that's a type of Linux, and there is a cron. A type there of is... Linux, not a type of Linux. Oh, <laughs> sucker, yes. Beat you at your own nerd game, sucker. I know. <laughs> I am beaten. <laughs> and so that's kind, of, that's kind of my entire list is... Uh, Open it up is open it up, and the thing that's not opening it up is the carriers. The carriers and the content providers, because carriers? Apple can't Apple can't provide a phone that is also an iPod that has complete functionality to the user because piracy will be click away for anyone who wants it. And if, if Apple wants to continue to provide cheap songs and albums on iTunes, cheap movies, then unfortunately, this is what we're bound to, is a phone, an iPod that is locked. Well, yeah, and as long as people are buying it, they're not going to change it. And there seems to be no decrease in the people buying it, so. Yeah, I guess I guess the final point is, you know, if, you, if you're that upset about it, go buy an Android. Or an but Ion, don't. as the new one is called. But, but really don't, yeah. <laughs> or just jailbreak your phone. Yeah, and then lose all support from Apple. So you have to be like Uber Geek to do that, and I don't fall under that category. True story. That's hidden option number two. Okay, well, <laughs> I, I had one more, and then we'll get over to Rev, who I'm sure has has a couple. My last one was, I don't want to have to buy a universal remote, and this deals specifically with me because my uh, my remote for my receiver doesn't work on the whole volume, which means I have to get up and walk 10 feet to turn down the volume um, when I'm watching Battlestar Galactica and things get really loud. So why is it hard to just assume that people are going to sit on their couch 20% of the time, and they're going to want to be able to control other things with their iPhone. I don't know. Does it integrate with Apple TV, Rev? There is iPhone remote, and so yes. Curse them for doing what I want, but just making me pay an extra $300 for it. All right. Well, do you have a couple of uh, what I wish my iPhone could do things? Yes, all of it all of it deals with openness and i think that's just because i'm a developer and not having openness is very frustrating and 
and some of the things would be the Bluetooth in that there is no openness. I haven't seen a single handset or I haven't owned or used a single handset with full open Bluetooth capabilities, which would provide internet sharing, which I know is coming, internet sharing, file sharing, uh, stereo headphones, uh, all, all anything you can think of. I mean, Bluetooth is just a Wi-Fi for devices that are sitting next to each other. And to be closed off is, is actually really frustrating. In addition, like you said, the OS, I wish... I have Linux in my pocket. Why can't I do the things that I do in Linux? Linux is people are drawn to Linux because of how tweaky it can be, and so not being able to tweak it is very frustrating. And I think that's what I want. I want to be able to do anything I want to do on the phone, and not being able to do that is is very very frustrating. Other than that, I mean, not having to pay as much a month. yeah that would be nice so I had a secondary question is there any one feature on your iPhone that you never have used you will never use and you think it is completely worthless voice memos is coming in 3.0 and I don't think I'll ever use it voice memos Uh, I may use that I may but it is like a may thing it's not a yes definitely thing and also I don't know why it's used with a YouTube icon like I don't know I I use it but I'm kind of like if it wasn't there Eh. Or if I had to download it, that's fine. Whatever. Well, I think the the crucial thing there is that it doesn't have a flash player, so that YouTube app is the only way that you can. Yeah, yeah. I, and I do notice that we should we should get on that. Apple, if you're listening, which I sincerely doubt at this point. Yeah, flash. Yeah. All right. Well, I agree. And then the last question, and we don't need to go too in depth on this, but since WWDC especially during WWDC, I watched a couple of live blogs, and that's the Worldwide Developers Conference, the the Apple once-a-year dev conference, where they unveil their new products for the year. They show you kind of what they're working on and what's to come. It was just this past Monday, and since then, at that event, it seemed like there was kind of a little bit of ire directed towards AT&T. I know that Apple is in a contracted relationship with AT&T. Do you guys think that AT&T's relationship with Apple is possibly hurting their, their sales of the phone or is hurting their development on the platform? Unfortunately, I don't believe it's hurting sales one, one bit. Nope. The only people upset about this is the people in the know. If you're not in the know, then you have no idea. <laughs> yep. You're clueless and you just love your phone. I think that it just pisses Apple off more and more. I mean, I feel, you never really know, but I feel that from from the statements that have been made, they're just getting more and more and more annoyed with AT&T, which is only going to hurt that relationship, which is actually only good for the consumer. It is. Yep. I agree. I don't, I don't think there's any, uh, for me, I don't think it's hurting Apple at all. But again, that's what Rev just said, is that it, from a perspective of consumer and for me in the iphone i'm if you want to talk to someone who's just an iphone consumer that's me like i got it because i love all the crap i can do on it and it just makes my life cooler and easier in every way i haven't used my uh my magellan uh, gps in my car for what like three months now i mean it, it simplifies a lot of aspects of my life and allows me to have greater interconnectivity so the fact that i have to pay the amount that i do to at&t per month i mean it's it's money but i I enjoy it so much, I don't think I can go back now. So, No, it is value, that's for sure. Like, I don't see that and be like, man, I'd get more value if they were on Verizon, or I'd get more value if they were on T-Mobile. Gotcha. It's just not true for me. So speaking of money, what do you guys, yeah. what do you guys think about the, the 3GS? Now, when they released the iPhone 3G, remember that the iPhone 1 was already out. It was in the wild. If you were an owner of an iPhone 1, whether you had had it for a year or two days – you automatically received discounted pricing on the iPhone 3G. You did have to renew your contract, but you didn't have to be outside of that magic window where cell phone providers won't give you a discount if you renew your contract. With the iPhone 3GS, which was just announced on Monday, we've seen the pricing model, and what it looks like they're doing is they're saying, you're not going to get that if you are outside of your contract window and you're eligible for a discount through your provider, you will get the, the discounted pricing. Otherwise, whether or not you're a previous iPhone owner, you're going to have to pay full price. What do you guys think about that? Well, well <laughs> no, go ahead. Okay, I heard on another podcast. This is actually hilarious. I, I can't remember whether it was Analog Hole Gaming or not. I think that's what it was. That's a good podcast. If you guys are listening to this, you should also listen to that podcast because they are good peeps. 
Analog Hole Gaming Podcast, they were talking about, they're saying it's actually cheaper if you <laughs> it's actually cheaper if you pay the termination fee for your AT&T line and then renew with a new line and get the discount on the new 3GS than it is if you go through the standard, I want to upgrade my current 3G to a 3GS. It's cheaper to literally terminate your contract and pay them the fee. So I thought that was pretty hilarious. <laughs> that That is awesome, by the way. I didn't even <laughs> think about that. But the thing that no one really knows, unless unless you sort of were a geek and you just read way too much Google Reader, which which is the only good internet for me is Google Reader. The the thing that people don't know is the first iPhone we paid five hundred bucks for, I think five or six hundred dollars for. AT and T gave Apple a percentage of every monthly bill for every iPhone customer. And when they released the 3G, that changed, and AT&T didn't give any money for any 3G customer to Apple, and Apple just got more money for the actual device. Instead of subsidizing the device themselves and getting the monthly subscription, they got the entire dollar amount for the device, and that was that, was that. and they, they have the apps that they were getting money from. So they were they were happy. The reason why we got that sweet upgrade discount was because AT&T was like, holy crap, let's get all these people off this subscription because we're giving Apple all this money that we want. Hmm. And so let's subsidize let's let's take the hit, resubsidize all of these upgrades and get all these people onto 3G so we don't have to write a huge monthly check to Apple anymore. Well, obviously, all these people are already on on the new contract between Apple and AT&T they're not they're not giving any money every month so why bother to do anything special this time because it, we all know when we had regular when we had non Apple phones if we bought a phone we got into your contract we had to wait 2 years for a new phone that's yeah. how it is and all these people that are QQing about not being able to get this sweet upgrade price are that they're just whining about free a free lunch a year ago. Well, I'm, I'm going to continue to carry the flag for the whiners and, uh, <laughs> and the complainers, and I'm going to say that I want my discount, darn it. And, you know, I think I did kind of see that as um, – I, I even think that AT&T packaged it as the kind of the, the iPhone loyalty package. You know, they, they use these grandiose terms, and uh, it, it did engender for me at the time of purchase definite goodwill towards – towards Apple. So to lose that is disappointing. It's hard to point fingers. I don't know who who to blame there and I No, I, it's easy to point fingers actually. <laughs> that's true. It is easy to point fingers. Uh, I'm just going to blame everyone, but you do make a good point. That is the way the world works. We were very fortunate to to have gotten that deal outside of our outside of our contract periods and fortunately I have a wife whose contract is up, so good for me. What, is she getting, like, a Nokia now? Or are you just going to throw her out there? No, I'm throwing her under sorry. the bus. I'm taking her iPhone. I'm taking oh, yeah? her iPhone upgrade. All right. Getting the 3GS. Um, you... And you're going to give her the 3G? Actually, I should do that. No, my, my 3G definitely has some cracks in the screen. Are you serious? You can drop it many, many times. No, okay, you work in an office. I work in a machine shop. How is your phone more messed up than mine is? Well, I've had mine for about a year. That's true. There's still time for me to screw it up, I guess. Yeah, you've got a month. (laughs) (laughs) So, all right, well, let's move on to the last topic. And this this goes back to gaming a little bit, but I'm going to give... It's kind of the crossover between gaming and the iPhone, isn't it? I I guess, yeah, kind of. Wow, (laughs) this segues nicely. I'm going to give it a little bit of history on this first. What we're going to be talking about is something called Battle.net, and I think it's going to bring in a lot of topics. This may be kind of long, so we'll see how it goes, but... I want to talk about what it is first. Battle.net is a networking service that is a product of Blizzard Entertainment. And Blizzard Entertainment, as most of you probably know, is the company that was responsible for Diablo, Diablo 2, StarCraft, and, of course, World of Warcraft, which has over 12 million subscribers. Yeah, and Warcraft. Including us. Oh, yeah, and don't forget the Warcraft franchise, Warcraft, Warcraft 2, 3, (laughs) Frozen whatever. (laughs) <laughs> the frozen chonies. Yes, the frozen yeah. chonies. Blackthorn. Black. Now we're just saying names. Lost what Vikings. Lost... Yeah. Oh, Lost Vikings. Best game ever. <laughs> Battle chess. True story. 
Battle Chess, Blizzard. Yeah. Seriously? Battle Chess? Yeah, Battle Chess was Blizzard. Oh I remember gosh. seeing that on the Mac. I was like, oh my god, Battle Chess. Oh, I have it. This is what computer games are. Yeah, right? <laughs> well, Lost Vikings, for those of you who may not know, was, was the best side-scrolling, Viking-based action-adventure game ever released. Which is not Which not I think is the only convention. one. <laughs> no, there was also Viking, Lost Vikings 2. Okay. Um, there were aliens in Lost Vikings. I don't know if you're aware of that. Really? Yeah. Very, no, I'm not aware. Very complex There were storyline. aliens in World of Warcraft. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. Yeah, I just know that. They're called Jirnai. Uh, anyway, getting back to Battle.net. They're so, called demons. So we know, <laughs> we know that Blizzard Entertainment has made some fabulous games, and, and kind of throughout those games, Battle.net has existed, and it's existed in several different forms. What I'm going to do is I'm going to talk just briefly about the history of it. It was first instituted with Diablo, and I remember the first time I experienced Battle.net because hopefully no Blizzard people are listening. I had Diablo uh. I had Diablo installed on the one computer in the bedroom, and I wanted to install it on the computer in the office. So I did that, and then somebody mentioned, oh, you know, you can play it online. If you just click that Battle.net button on the home screen, it'll take you to this big online thing. So I was like, cool. And I went to the big online thing, and it said, and I was connected with my you know, 14.4 modem. This is 1997 or 98. <laughs> and it said, in order to continue, you must download an update. And I, I froze yeah. because I realized that I had it installed in two locations. And uh, I was like, you know, what is this update? Is it going to find out that it's installed in this other location <laughs> and send, like, Blizzard tactical personnel to my house? Like, yeah. like the, was... the guys coming through the windows with the, the carabiner and the, the line, you know, their boots smashing through, yeah. securing their SMGs, kind of, you know, night vision goggles, get on the floor, get on the floor, flashbang kind of thing. I was nervous. I will say yeah, that I was okay. a little nervous, so I hesitated. I, I think I took a good five minutes to click the yes button. What, five? To wow. update my Battle.net client. And I was nervous. So I updated the client. It downloaded, whatever. So when you, you first logged into this, it was a screen, and there was a chat room happening right in front of you. And if you didn't realize that there was a chat room happening right in front of you, you could just kind of click the game button off to the side and automatically join a game and not worry about it. But if you paid attention, you would realize that it, you were basically in an IRC channel, except yeah. it, was, it was just Battle.net. So I kind of scrolled through the channels, and I, I messed around there, and... I got into chatting in Battle.net and made a couple friends, and it was a cool experience. So that's what Battle.net was. Battle.net back in the day was a matchmaking service that allowed people to play Blizzard games exclusively with each other. And because there were no real controls, you know, you could create a, an account and then delete it and create a new account. There was a lot of hacking going on. All the, all the interaction, Battle.net just existed to connect two computers. So there was no server that restricted anything. So if you could access your data files... Uh, you could do whatever you wanted, which was the great thing about Diablo. You know, you could you could duplicate gold, you could dupe, you could uh, give yourself amazing stats, you could kill people with a lightning bolt, and now it's just called being a shaman. Now it's just called being a shaman, exactly. <laughs> That's what Battle.net was, and and it's changed quite a bit to to what it is today. And what it is today is obviously it still supports all those previous iterations, so it still works as a matchmaking service for Diablo and Diablo 2 for StarCraft, and probably for Warcraft 2, although I don't know that for sure. I doubt it. You mean three? But what they've done with it recently is they've added this three-factor authentication. You can create a Battle.net account, which requires an email address. And with that Battle.net account, you can then link up your sub-accounts. And I'm seeing Warcraft 2 Battle.net edition, so I'm guessing that works on Battle.net? I don't know. Shocking. So that Shocking is, the that fact is... that anyone is playing Battle Warcraft 2 right now in the universe. That's, that's pretty impressive. Hey, now. <laughs> what are you? People have been playing StarCraft for, like, hold on, wait for it, wait for it, 11 years. Are That's there fine. Zergs? Warcraft Let me ask you this. Are there Zergs in Warcraft 2? Uh, yes. Yes. False. It's... What? Oh, shut up. I'm just, I'm just making it up. I'm not <laughs> even... So, so Battle.net currently... I've been uh, had... It's kind of a super account, and we've seen another company do this, and that was SOE, who did it, I think, pretty successfully with... They called it the station account when Sony did it, right? Yeah, yeah, station. So your station account could log you into your EverQuest Classic subscription. It could log you into your Star Wars, Star Wars Galaxy, Galaxies you know. subscription. Yeah, yeah, woot. And your EverQuest 2. So woot me. So that was their way of combining everything. It looks like Blizzard is moving in that same direction. You can combine all of your games under one account, and it gives you additional authentication. They have a lovely app for the iPhone, mm. which uses a technology that was made popular by the military. 
And then by Corporate America. And then by Corporate America, who wanted to be like the military. Um, yeah. It's called the Battle.net Mobile Authenticator. It gives you, essentially, it gives you a unique number that refreshes every 60 seconds, which acts as a, a third authentication method for your account. So it's very, very much impossible to hack an account that has this Battle.net Mobile Authenticator. And sometimes it's also very, very much impossible to legitimately log into an account that has the Battle.net Mobile Authenticator. As you will attest. <laughs> but we're not going to talk too much about that. Yeah. What I do want to talk about, though, is with the direction that Battle.net has taken, what do we hope that it might become? There have been some rumors about what's going to be available from the from the service, and what are we afraid it might become? What are some of the pros and cons? So let's dive into that. Rev, why don't you start Battle.net? What should it be? Well, I think that they're doing something really great with the whole – I think you guys were touching on it – the whole centered approach, almost – almost got to collect them all blizzard in terms of <laughs> when i log into my account i have these awesome like box arts of all the games i own and i am almost compelled to drop the 14.99 plus tax just because i don't have starcraft in there and i'm not going <laughs> to play it i'm i'm i may not even download the 380 megs but just to have that in my collection it, it's it's kind of like a lot of world of warcraft stuff but in terms of the service itself, I think I think there's a lot that we don't see that they want to do in terms of their next MMO, their MMO after that, with StarCraft, with Diablo. I think there's going to be a lot of things on the horizon, um, especially uh, that we'll probably find out a lot about of it at this next BlizzCon, uh, about what they really plan on doing with um, StarCraft 2, and that may even include hosted solution for RTS games, which I don't think is anywhere, and that would just be primarily for cheating. What do you mean um, by that? I'm sorry, well, go ahead. For, for cheating, like with with StarCraft, there's a, there was or has been a lot of problem with, with cheating because this game is used in competition like, like you wouldn't even believe uh, in the Asian world. And if this is pure speculation, they could include a hosted solution where all the communication goes through a server such as World of Warcraft goes through a server before it sees anybody's computer. And therefore, that would prevent or not completely prevent, but extremely hinder cheating uh, in between and therefore make the game kind of a golden uh, standard for uh, tournaments. Because you have the very low risk of cheating, and so uh, people are much more apt to play the game. Okay, I got you. So um, that's that's uh, there's a, there's so so much that they could do with the service, and I know that's such an ambiguous thing for me to say, but just <laughs> to to not know, like really all they've done, all that they've added is an online counterpart where you could download games that you've previously owned and hook up your World of Warcraft account to it and this Blizzard to think at it. Really, that's all they've done in the last um, six months since they've uh, released the product uh, or the new additions. And But I, I really foresee uh, them adding a, a lot more to it, especially with Diablo, which previously just hooked up two computers together. I think that they will take it to the next level and make it feel much more uh, like an MMO where we have this WoW armory and stuff like that, where your account is kind of your home base for all of your uh, Blizzard games. Well, see, that's kind of my thing about it right now is what is what is Battle.net doing for me at this very minute except for allowing me to log in securely? Like, there's nothing else it does for me. Like, I've never been to the Battle.net account site except to set it up. I'm there now because you're like, oh, I can add games. So I'm scrambling through my closet here to find my Warcraft 3 Frozen Throne thing to enter my CD key and download it again. But other than that, it's not doing anything for me now. And the only thing I thought when it first was announced was, aside from additional security, was they were – this is my big conspiracy theory, right? Is that uh, the reason they implemented it now before StarCraft 2 and Diablo 3 were out was so that – People would be associating their WoW accounts with their Battle.net accounts all bundled together so that when those new games came out and the opportunity to hack, which was a big deal in Diablo 2 for anyone who did meth runs or you know botted through that crap. I never did. No, not me. Uh, whoever used a map hack in Diablo 2, okay, and everyone used a map hack in Diablo 2. Don't True story. Me? Every single person did, and then one day thousands of accounts disappeared, and everyone's like, oh, 
I'm still doing it. And uh, <laughs> so, I mean, my big theory is that what they're doing is they're making you merge your WoW account. And when people think of their WoW accounts, it's a lot of time invested, a lot of uh, a lot of care in your character and all that. And so when the chance comes to maybe hack or maybe do something in uh, StarCraft II or Diablo III, people will be like, well, those are associated with my Battle.net account. Do I really want to risk my WoW characters for a game of RTS. So that's kind of my theory on that. And that's why they're doing it now before those games are out. So everyone will be like, oh, Battle.net. Oh, it doesn't do anything. But no, it's fine. I'll just get it signed up with my WoW account. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, there are there are certain limitations. Like, if you wanted to be one of the 20,000 people going to BlizzCon this year... You had to have it. You had to have a Battle.net yeah. account. Well, which um, is brilliant as well. I'm sure there will be other incentivization to, to do it if, if they do have some kind of grand conspiracy in mind. Dun, dun, dun. That's my conspiracy sound. Sorry. I, mine is actually the Law and Order uh, double hammer sound. Dun, dun. Yes, exactly. Yeah. There you go. Okay, well, I, I'm a fan of it in general. One of the big things that I saw in the SOE, the Sony Online Entertainment's station account product, was the the one one stop payments, and I thought that was really cool that you had the ability to pay for anything you wanted to, you know, have a subscription to. They had the monthly subscription games, and you paid for it all in one place, and it hit your card all at once. And I I thought that was nice. That ability to manage all those accounts in one place was pretty cool. I think it's the logical way to go. One of the things that neither of you touched on yet, and I think we should jump into that, is some of the things that they have promised to do with it. One of them is purchasing stuff online. And there are other things that allow us to purchase stuff online. The App Store from Amazon. Apple is one of those. Uh, you know, the whole internet. Amazon. Okay, I, I was sorry. <laughs> yes, you're right. I was referring specifically to downloadable content. Digital downloads, okay. Yes, digital downloads. So the App Store uh, is one of those. Another one is Steam, which we are oh, all familiar mm. with. Which, you know, I think is the example of how it has been done right. You know, yes. the, uh, Steam is Valve's. It was under Valve. Is it still or is it its yep. own? It's still Valve. It's still Valve. Steam is Valve's product management suite, really. It allows you to download any game that you've you've purchased. It allows you to purchase any new game or any downloadable content package for an existing game that you have. Really convenient to use, really smart. It also works as their matchmaking system for online multiplayer. So Steam Steam is the gold standard at this point when you talk about, you know, who has done this specific thing right. And then, Jay, as you and I talked about, the Apple App Store is actually taking a step away from that. Um, with their the, the way their policy was, you purchased an app, you could download it as many times as you want, as long as you had the username and password of the account that you had purchased it with. Mm-hmm. It seems like they're they're going to change that so that in the future you will purchase an app and you will be able to download it only once, and then if you want to download it again, you'll have to purchase it again, which just doesn't make sense at all. I think that's still a, a rumor, and and I I don't I have a feeling that's not going to become reality, even though there is a possibility. Well, please God, let's keep it in the rumor and not have it apply because that would be stupid. Like, and even though it's not going to really affect anyone too badly, I mean, it the few people who would affect they would end up paying what just a few bucks, but like at the same time. You know, I bought that. I should be able to download it again. That's why I love Steam is because every time my computer is taking a crap and I've had to put a new hard drive in and reinstall, like, I have this huge pain in the neck of getting everything back on my computer except Steam games where I'm like, oh, let me just download Steam. And, oh, okay, I'm downloading Counter-Strike. I'm downloading Half-Life. I'm downloading Team Fortress. I'm downloading Left 4 Dead. Like, it's no big deal. I leave it up. I go to work. I come back, and all my games are back. I don't have to worry about it. Whereas when my computer takes a crap and I want my music back, well, good luck with that. My, try and sync your iPhone with it. You have to download third-party products, jack them off of your iPhone, and sync them back on your computer, and then you have issues with the number of computers you can have activated in iTunes. It's just a mess, and uh, I, I don't want that to happen with the App Store. Even though, like, even though it's probably not going to affect anyone that big, I just think in terms of philosophically, it's the wrong way to go. I completely agree. I had issues with that with a, a video, and I downloaded a whole season, and my laptop took a crap. I don't know why I downloaded it on my laptop, and I yeah. completely lost it. Didn't think about it for about a month. Finally, I went to go re-download, and I learned for the first time, as many other people did, that if you buy music or video content off of iTunes, you cannot re-download it. And so I wrote this lengthy, very upset email to customer support, and they replied back, your iTunes account can now re-download your uh, episodes. Thank you. Are you serious? <laughs> yes, I'm serious. 
wow, maybe I should do that and get back all the hundreds of songs I bought up iTunes, but it's too late because I don't buy music off there anymore, those sons of bitches. I just go to Best Buy. Like, iTunes has reversed the digital distribution like revolution. Now when a new album comes out, I go to Best Buy. Thank you, iTunes. <laughs> I still just download it off the internet, so I don't know what you guys oh, are complaining about. Whatever. Legal cheater, stealer hacks, or whatever. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I do still want to talk about this just a little bit. Okay. That was an awesome little sidebar, but getting back to <laughs> getting back to Battle.net, does this indicate to you guys that this move towards making their content purchasable? I mean, I have reinstalled my computer and downloaded WoW before, and, and it has been really convenient to, to get World of Warcraft off the internet not have to try to find a disc for it or whatever. But, you know, if they're moving their entire business model towards being able to distribute over the internet, do you think that's just a business move? Does it communicate to you that they're going to have more downloadable content packs in the future? Are they changing the way they do games? What do you guys think? I think it communicates to me that they realize that they don't want to pay some company to make 12 million copies of all of their games and then ship it to thousands of stores across the entire uh, United States and the world. Just the U.S. and South Korea, actually. Just yeah, the U.S. Right. and South Korea. <laughs> Basically, more like just South Korea. But, uh, <laughs> and, and they want to get all that money for themselves, which is what Valve did. And they see Valve you know, putting out a game every like three or four years and making gobs and gobs of money. Uh, and so they want to you know, have a piece of that pie. I think it's a, a really important – not business – not only business, but also – I mean everyone loves Valve – now and Valve is kind of a a name for themselves in every geek household. You know, if you don't know in Valve, you know Half Life, and that's one step away from Valve. And so um, I think it's an uh, I think it's a business move and a kind of we like you gamers. Here's something that we want to do for you as well. Well, but you were Dave. You're talking more about microtransactions inside of the MMOs. Is that what you're hinting at, or? Uh, yeah, that's one thing. I mean, I think a part of it, the the big part was, you know, bypassing brick and mortar, taking the taking the bigger profit up front, and that is a business decision. But also, you know, yeah, does it indicate a microtransaction thing? Does it indicate not just microtransactions, but does it also potentially point to more kind of small content packs, that kind of thing? What we see with the downloadable content that that is available through the Steam service specifically. Well, can you imagine if uh, if Blizzard did a, a DLC for WoW, like a, I don't know, like a new zone? What if they unlocked one zone, it was going to be 30 bucks, and you got that new zone, there was gear on equivalence level with the current, maybe the old War 10 gear, right? And, you you know, it was instance-based, or maybe it wasn't, and you it was just 30 bucks, and you could go, you could take your group there. Like, can you imagine what that would do? Like, <laughs> Like, who wouldn't buy that? You know what well, that then then you you enter the realm of free realms and all those other games which are free to play where you have to pay for your gear, and that is kind of I don't know how I feel about that. I like having a game that is has the rules and regulations, and if you want great gear, then you have to work for it. And no, to be no, able to pay, to say this new zone wouldn't make you work for it, but it would just be a maybe a level of just a different story or whatnot. Like imagine, you know, everybody's talking about the new WoW expansion is going to be either Maelstrom or uh, Emerald Dream or something like that, right? Where you're going to have this kind of Gilneas, you know, explain the middle. You know, they put Azeroth, Eastern Kingdoms, and the North Rand on top. They're going to explain the middle. You're going to do water, whatever. Um, what if they made uh, just the Gilneas portion a thirty-dollar micro expansion, not available? In the brick and mortar, only available through Battle.net, 30 bucks one-time payment. You unlock that content. There's one major quest. Maybe it's just uh, – forget that. Maybe it's five bucks and one quest chain that's like the Wrathgate in Dragonblight. Full cinematic, full uh, one epic item at the end of the quest chain. Would you do it? Five bucks, an epic item at the end of the quest chain, and a cinematic like the, the Wrathgate. And double the experience. Double the experience. Well, forget experience. So it's level 80. Pretend we're at level 80 cap. It's five bucks. An epic quest chain and one epic item, five bucks. Do it, yes or no? I think everyone would do it. The question everyone is, does Blizzard would... want to do it? No, well, see, that's my point, though, is like they have the capability to do it now, but they definitely have the capability once Battle.net is fully launched and everyone's like all in Battle.net accounts because then they have a way of paying for it outside of their standard website, right? Well, that's all true. 
I don't know. It could be exciting. I do. It's a possible, <laughs> possibility. It's exciting. I mean, I think it's important to keep in mind that Blizzard has stated that they don't want anyone to have an advantage in the game as a result of having money. Which is why they don't sell gold. It's why they don't sell level ups. You know, although if you if you count the recruit a friend thing, yeah, which definitely is selling level ups. All right. Well, we won't get too deep into that. I do okay. want to kind of wrap it up tonight, but right, uh, we definitely have a lot to talk about. Do you guys have any closing thoughts about any of these topics or anything else? No. No, I think in terms of Battle.net, I think it's you know. Uh, at the moment, esoteric enough that they can do whatever they want with it, and everybody be like, oh, that's what they had in mind the whole time. So, All right. If any listeners out there want to buy me an iPhone 3GS... Or me. Please scrape off the letter S, because I think it's stupid. Yes, and rename it. But then it, still send it, of course. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's it for this episode of Borked. Uh, this has been episode... We actually have it labeled as Podcast Zero. Ooh. So we'll probably erase... We just screw up the naming convention. Hopefully you'll join us for podcast one, which will be our second podcast. And the best to date. <laughs> it will it will be the newest yet. Thank you for joining us, and good night. Good night. Bye. Aim shot, black arrow, aim shot, explosive shot, misdirection, mongoose bite, wyvern sting, explosive shot, counterattack, immolation trap. Wow. wow. This is take two now. We're on take two. Welcome... And take three. Here we go. Take three. <laughs> Could you guys hear me take a drink just now? A little kind bit. Of, I heard you smack. It was like, it was like the good part. Like, ah, oh, that was a good drink. <laughs> did you write this out? No, I didn't. You did. I didn't. Look at my screen. Let's <laughs> screen see? share. He actually wrote that. He wrote, no, it's I did not, not write this it's out. <laughs> <laughs>